If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. episode of Worst First. Yeah, it's a big audience here for you today. Love the people. Guys, my guest doesn't really need an introduction. He's the king of podcasts, Adam Carolla. So happy to have you here. Thank you, my queen. Yes, that's right. (laughs) I did your podcast like a week ago. I know. I love it when you're on. I love coming on. I love talking about my my anxious, neurotic personality on your podcast. Yes, I see the pool outside that you could easily dip yourself into and have all your anxieties wash away like a baptism. Guys, so I obviously everyone that listens to this podcast knows that I have a panic panic disorder, which I haven't had one in really long. So I'm doing well. The day is young. <laughs> so Adam was like, you know, you should do um, what's it called again? It's called a your swimming pool when it's cold. Your swimming pool when it's cold, cold plunging. Cold plunging. So yes. the secret is cold plunging, apparently, because it kind of resets your nervous system. I don't I don't know that it's the secret to anything. <laughs> what what I do know is there's more and more science every year that it's good. It's right. good for your body, but it's good for your brain. Uh, I'm not into the spiritual, you know, Wim Hof breathing techniques or any. I don't do any of that. OK, I just made a deal with myself that I will get into that cold pool every single morning before I do anything else. And first things first, you are awake. Like when you get out, like, you know, all those early calls and you're driving to the airport and you don't even remember yeah. the drive or you keep thinking like, what did I forget? Yeah. Cause your brain's all scrambled. You get woken up like, like that. Number one. Wow. Probably has some physiological stuff, but it's more of just sort of like I'm in control. This is uncomfortable cold it's rainy outside i live in the foothills it'll get down into the 30s at night and i'm like i'm in and you do it every day every single day i feel like you're gonna live forever because i feel like it does something to your nervous system like i feel like it resets you um i don't think there's any data to back up that claim (laughs) but and i I hope i don't want to live forever because i feel like um Life has gotten, I mean, my life is fine, but I feel like our society has fallen apart like the last two and a half years. Yeah, and scary. I don't know what we're going to be like in 50 years. Are you scared for your kids? Like when they're adults, how, what's the world going to be like? If I was a better parent, I would be scared for my kids. <laughs> That's what I want to say. 
No, I, you know, it's so interesting because I always felt like the cold plunge thing was such a like a hoo-ha rich people thing because you like go to a rich person's house and they're like, this is my cold plunge. And I didn't realize it was actually a thing, but I did it a couple times. I didn't go under. Do you go under? You gotta go. All right, the, here's my key. Okay. First off, you need a plan. Like you, you can't be switching it up every every week okay. or every day. So here are the rules. Okay. You must do it before you begin whatever it is you're doing that day. Okay. Now, some days you could be putzing around your palatial estate <laughs> and essentially have nothing to do before noon. Mm-hmm. Fine. You have nothing to do all day but go to the Whole Foods or the Sprouts down the hill, yeah. right? Okay. Before you go to the Whole Foods or the Sprouts, then you get in the pool. Other days, might have to catch that 7 a.m. flight out of LAX to New York. Well, now you have to get in at 5.15. Wow. Those are the rules. You must get in. You must swim to one side. I swim to the deep end. I go under. I touch the drain. I skim along the bottom, and I pop up on the shallow side. And then I'm done. It's 90 seconds, and I can get on with my day. So... I was doing it, but I wasn't going under. And then I got a cold and I was like, fuck this. I did it for like a week. I did it for a week. I'm such a wussy. And also like my hair is curly naturally and having to straighten it every oh. day. Ugh. Oh. Being a girl, it's like mental health, hair. Yeah. That's a fortune <laughs> for the dry bar lady. So. Yeah, they are. They're like, all right, well, she chooses her hair over her mental health. So obviously we're winning. <laughs> um, so I'm so glad to have you here. I'm so excited because you are like, you are like the podcast king. I mean, you've been doing podcasts forever. and uh, Over 12 years. That's insane. I can't Daily. do it. I can't even, I've never had a relationship that's lost, lasted longer than that. So that's amazing. Um, and I wanted to have you on because I want to hear some of your worsts. Because mm. you said you have some worsts. You've been through some shit. I didn't prep for the show. That's okay. But uh, there's plenty of bad. Yeah. In my life. Like what's like the most, I mean, not to get dark, but what's like the most tragic thing that's ever happened to you? It's weird. My life has been fairly tragedy free. I have I Amazing. I have a very small extended family. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody knows each other or likes each other that much. So, oh my God. you know, it's like I had my uncles die in Philadelphia, but I never met them right. because I was out in California and my dad never went back and forth and they never went back and forth. So that it's a death, but it doesn't really go down as a tragedy. Um, I think my grandfather dying, I was very close to my grandfather. He was kind of the glue of the family. He, my family's a little chaotic and eh, they don't really care about one another, kids, whatever. It's, it's, it's kind of poor and dumb and, you know, bad parents. Uh-huh. But my grandfather like cooked and made uh-huh. me sandwiches and was a good, was a good dude. So I, I guess my grandfather dying would have been, you know, in the tragedy department. Yeah. Do you, what is your, do you care about death at all? Or are you just kind of like, eh, it's going to happen one day. I'm not like worried about it. You don't think about it. You don't yeah, think it's don't, a big deal. I don't, I don't think about it. I don't, I'm not fear-based yeah. at all. Um, I don't want to die, but I don't, I don't have any real strong thoughts. I, I, I'm pretty good at not involving myself in thought and in things that I can't control. That's smart. So, you know, if I'm going to get in an airplane crash, I'm going to get an airplane crash or a car crash, a car crash. I, 
I don't spend a lot of time Worrying. sort of fixating on stuff that I can't control, but I do spend time, considerable amount of time thinking about things I can control. Okay. So, but death, I can't. So you're like, fuck that. Not even going to think about it. Yeah. It would seem like, it would seem like a oxymoronic to think about death while you're alive. Yeah, Absolutely. It's That's just, so such a good way to look at it. And no one lays on their deathbed and, th- and thinks, thank God I obsessed on this moment right. for, for my whole life. <laughs> Me. <laughs> yeah. It's Every not- day. What if I die? Ah, what if? It's the what ifs. That's the thing that you can't do is the what ifs, right? Like It's, it's all, I mean, it's also, a, it's a kind of a narcissistic endeavor. Totally. If you, you think about it. Like you, what happens when you die? I don't know. 10,000 people die every day in this country. It's like, well, I don't know. What about them? What do you think happens afterwards? Like, what is your viewpoint? Oh, I'm I'm pretty much just in a nothingness kind of world. You think that's it? I do, but... There's no spirits, no thought. Well, I don't... Um, so it's another one of those subjects that falls under that heading of, I would like to be reborn in, uh, you know, I would like to come back in the form of a Labrador puppy that you and Tommy adopted. <laughs> that would be awesome. Best life ever, Best by the way. Best life. I can tell you guys love the shit out of your dogs. I could look up your skirt all day. <laughs> it would be, and no one would be the wiser. I mean, it would be awesome, right? They have the best lives. I I home oh, cook their food. I, I'm like, oh, I, I the, knew it. the dogs are out of the uh, Wagyu. Let me go to the store and get them some A5. To, oh, it's, they're and, so they're, and I could do no wrong. Like yeah. I would come in. I'm yeah. like, I got to head inside. I got to take a shit. I could do no wrong. It's so true. You guys would love me unconditionally. Yeah. Teeny just shit on the floor this morning. No problem. She was in doggy jail for two minutes and then she cried. And I was like, don't cry. Yeah. I give you those eyes. Yeah, that's you give it. me right out of so the crate. You'd want to come back as a Labrador retriever. But not like in Mexico. You know, like I want you and Tommy right. too. I don't want to be like the dog on the border. In you Puerto know? Vallarta, just like, or sorry, I'm not even Puerto Tijuana. Vallarta. Tijuana. Tijuana. Yeah, no, not the dog that walks sideways. <laughs> that's no. missing a leg. Yeah, that's not just, that dog. No, no. Is, yeah. Your dog. I know. I know. Yeah. But apparently, like, I, you know, I'm really into this stuff and I'm always reading about it. And there's this lady, Dolores Cannon, who I'm obsessed with. I don't know. Have you ever heard of her? Is she a specialist on the afterlife? She is. Do you think I would hear no, somebody? No, exactly. Hear? Right. So you've never heard of her. But anyway, she she has this really interesting theory that we do reincarnate, okay? Mm-hmm. And obviously, we don't remember anything about the reincarnation because otherwise we wouldn't learn. And this whole life is a, a, is a learning experience to enrich our souls. Have you ever seen the movie Defending Your Life by Albert Brooks? No. Is it so good? I know Albert Brooks is a great director. Well, you know, you and I have a rich history of me begging you to do things <laughs> and you ignoring my advice. Please. Watch this, this movie. One, please do. I, I, I think it'll move you. What's it about? Defending your life. It's sort of like Dolores in the sense that what happens after you die? Yeah. And what happens after you die is you go to this sort of purgatory place, not fire and brimstone or anything, like a, like a nice hotel. Hmm. And then you review your life. your life. She says this. And you see, have you been courageous? When were you a coward? Have you have you treated, you know? Yeah. And and it's essentially a trial. And you get your lawyer yeah. and the state, the government, the heavens have theirs. Wow. And they're basically saying, 
look at this person, you know, and they're showing clips, you know, clips of, you know, the clip could be, you find a wallet, you look around, you know, you open it up, you take the cash out and you throw it in the trash can or something and look over your shoulder and walk away. That would be on their reel. Mm -hmm. On your reel would be the time you chase the purse snatcher down the street, you know, like that. And it's all fear-based. So, and, and the people that are lived a fear-based life end up going back to earth with no memory of it. But unlike Dolores, the people that led the exemplary life move on. No, she you says get, that. You get to go to heaven. Your soul gets, if your soul is enriched enough, she's, she's said this. Maybe she watched this well, movie. She, she started yeah. saying it after 1991. That <laughs> means she watched that movie. That's insane. I didn't even think about that. I'll have to look when she wrote her first book. But, um, but yeah, so she says the same thing that if you did more bad than good or whatever, we're found mm-hmm. to be more, you know, like you had more lessons you needed to learn. Then you go back and you keep mm-hmm. going back. And she says there's no hell. So like when people can kill someone mm-hmm. or do the most horrible shit, you don't go to hell. You just have to come back and relive this and keep going and going and going. And the more horrible things you do, the more times you have to come back. And this is essentially like the the, the worst part. Got to find out when she formulated that thought and when Defending Your Life came out. I'm totally going to look up Defending Your Life now. Oh, you're going to love it. That's so interesting. Yeah. So tell me more. What were you like in high school? Were you cool? Um, I was a jock. You were? Yeah. Really? Yeah. And you still were like a comedian? I was a weird, I had this weird thing where I grew up in North Hollywood. My parents were poor and they're really bad parents. They just like, eh, didn't care about their kids. And we just kind of did what they, we did. And they didn't take care of us or, you know, do whatever it is parents are supposed to do. Right. So I had pretty low self-esteem even though I was kind of good at some things and I was uh I was a good athlete I was good at football just sort of naturally when I was a kid I was just I just was better than the other kids Mm -hmm. at at football and and sometimes kind of the way sports works if you ever have you were watch like kids sports you'll you know, when they're nine or 10, you'll just see like one or two kids that are like a little faster, a little more aggressive, yeah. like a little better. And the other ones are kind of bumping into each other. Yeah. And I was just the kid who was like a little stronger and a little faster. And I was just better at football. So I had nothing going on in my home life. And so I just sort of got obsessed with football. So I was like, it's basically like, you're good at one thing. I was a horrible student. I didn't learn to read or write. I was very embarrassed. I was really a bad student. And then people think, oh, you're a smart guy. Why were you a bad student? Just trust me, bad. Did you have a learning disability? No, no. I, I never learned to read or write. And you don't still know how? I, I taught myself later on in life because I had to because of my profession you know wow. when i got the show business and oh stuff my God. I, had to write scripts I would never stuff. think that so you were able to get through did you graduate high school and you still were just like i don't know i graduated high school like if you want to know bad student i don't know anyone who never took an algebra class i never took an algebra class i took math how did you get away with that <laughs> they they sized me up and went you're taking high school math not not algebra I failed biology. I failed driver's ed. Like I graduated. I think I just looked it up the other day out of a 
graduating class of like 550, I was 498 or something. I was basically 500 out of 550. Oh my God. And believe me, 25 or 30 of those kids moved out of state or died or OD'd <laughs> or something. Like I was literally in the top, literally out of uh, lowest 25 students at North Hollywood High out of 550. That, that was my graduating. But you were great at football. I was I was very great at football when I was a kid. Then I then then it was hard after sort of puberty kicked in and I didn't really come into my own and the competition got a lot stiffer. And then I sort of outworked everybody and made myself kind of great at the end, like enough to get some scholarships uh, offers. Well, that's great that you got yeah. scholarship offers. So, like, well, he doesn't know how to read or write, but he can fucking throw a football. Yeah. That's all America cares about. It is, yeah. So, did you go to college? No. What did you, so, so how did you end up, you start doing stand-up, uh, right? Well, I, I got out of high school. Um, it was a very bad economy, and there were no jobs to be had. And my family doesn't have any business or do anything or take care of anybody or something. So I've just kind of wandered around um, supermarkets, liquor stores, you know, went to the fire station, tried to sign up to be a fireman. Like I, I literally just walked around my neighborhood, like looking Are you serious? for jobs. There were no, there were no jobs. And um, I got a call. I was living in my garage at my dad's house in North Hollywood. And I got a call one night from a friend of mine named John and he had gotten on to a very small construction crew and they're remodeling a house in Silver Lake. Mm -hmm. And uh, he just called and said, they need some help. Like they need some labor, you know, digging ditches. And the worst job ever was the first thing I did. He said, you know, just, you want to make 50 bucks, like show up. And I was like, oh, for the whole day. Well, it was, it, it would have been seven bucks an hour, maybe, Jeez. maybe eight bucks an hour, but taxes were being taken out. So probably walked with about 50 bucks a day. And I said, yeah, digging, sure. digging ditches. Well, the first thing I did was, was a, it was a hill house in, in Silver Lake, like sort of on the side of the hill. And the first thing I did was tear all the ivy off the side of the house. Oh my God. And it was all full of soot dust and rat droppings of and tear it all off and walk it up the hill and throw it in the dumpster. Then it got into ditch digging and that that's what I did. I mean, literally ditch digging. Like I, I don't know. We would work 10, 10 hour days. We work five, 10 hour days, sometimes on Saturday. And I don't know if people know what it's like to dig for 10 hours, but I mean, just dig, like just go outside and start digging. There was just no a shovel. Just there, all that's day. all you do. And then you get day. a lunch break and then go back. That's exactly what you do. Ew. Yeah. Hand bad. hand digging. Not even you don't even have like a bobcat, a, a bobcat or anything, backhoe. right? No. Yeah, because some some houses you can't get one down there, so you have to hand dig. Ew, what a nightmare. Yeah. So when did things turn around? That's obviously your worst. That was your worst job. Uh I did that for over a decade. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. You did construction for 10 years? Over 10 years. And then when did you when did everything happen for you? Well, I I was digging and, you know, moving drywall, clean up garbage and it was dirty and it was hot and wow. it didn't pay anything and yeah. I was like, "Well, 
screw this. Like, this is the worst. Yeah, it was the worst, but I was like, well, what choices do you have? You have no jobs. You have no skills. You can barely read or write. You, you know no one anywhere. You know, some uncle that owns a car dealership or something, unless you wash cars or something. Jesus. So I was like, well, here you are. I mean, this is it. So you you can't quit because your stepmom wants you to leave the garage. You got to get an apartment, you know, oh and you you can't quit and there's no other jobs and you have no training or skills and you're not going to college. So I just figured I will dig these ditches for as long as I have to, but then I, I will learn carpentry because I would like to get inside the house and like start hanging some doors or something mm -hmm. and doing some crown molding or something. And, um, and also I can get from, you know, seven, eight bucks an hour to, you know, 12 bucks an hour. If I'm, if I'm an apprentice carpenter or 10 bucks an hour or something, whatever. So I just said, well, that's what I got to do. Mm -hmm. So, um, my boss told me if I bought a pickup truck, I was riding a motorcycle. If I bought a pickup truck, he'd pay me another dollar an hour. So I bought a super, beater old Mazda pickup truck and and I and I started buying tools and just start trying to ingratiate myself to the carpenters and trying to help them and mm. learn and you know they'd always kind of go like hey go back out and dig you know and I, just, I walked in after about two weeks I went and bought myself tool bags you know put I talked to the other carpenters I need a tape measure and a chalk line and a all with a W and uh waffle end hammer von 22 ounce hatchet handled hammer like whatever i i know all the tools I, the guy told me to get speed square combo square whatever i got you it you just build your own house i can <laughs> that's cool and i i like walked in onto the job like on monday morning and i was like hey i got my tool bags you're like and, guess who went to home depot yeah and the uh the foreman is like, hey, those are hot. Yeah, nice. Now take them off and go back outside and get in the hole. He's like, have you yeah. ever seen the movie Holes? That's going to be you today. Right. And that's what it was. But I, I I, worked my way, you know, up the ladder. Okay. So you eventually got to do the inside of the house, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, I became a carpenter. And then so when did this whole thing come about with you getting into comedy? I was like in my early 20s and I was kind of looking down the road a little bit and I was kind of like I was kind of like um well what do we got here like let, let's you know let's as assess things mm -hmm. like well what are you good at what are you bad at we well, can't read you're a shit student you're not gonna go train to you know be an attorney or a doctor or mm -hmm. any professional airline pilot or you know all that professional stuff out the window you can't mm -hmm. fill out an application but <laughs> Really? So like, what, what, what is it? And I was like, well, I'm, you know, I'm good with my hands. Uh -huh. I, I know how to build stuff. And I was like, yeah, but like, I, I've seen this world. Like if it rains, you don't work, you don't get paid. Right. You know, you work on one job, you finish the job. Is there another job? It's not really like having a job. You're kind of nomadic. You have yeah. to just travel around from house to house. You get your tools ripped off. You know, you, 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 you go to the bathroom in a porta potty. You drink out of a hose. You know you sit, you sit on drywall. You eat on a you know you don't sit in air conditioning. There's no food. There's no there's no anything. So there's you no, really freaking went through it. Like this is 
Oh, yeah. I didn't know you did this for 10 years. Over 10 years. Over 10 years. Yeah. Okay, so you were like, I can't do, I can't be a lawyer, can't be a doctor. So you're like, I can tell some fucking jokes, though. Yeah, I, th- I thought, yeah, you know what? I think you're funny. I, I, I don't, just because you're a bad student doesn't make you dumb. Mm-hmm. It just it just means that's not your thing. Mm-hmm. And I think you're funny. Um, but that's going to take a long time to figure out. I don't, I don't know if you're going to, if anyone's ever going to pay you to tell jokes or mm-hmm. write funny, you can't write. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't know how to spell. So how could you be a writer? You're not really, I, I never saw myself as like sitcom material mm-hmm. or network, whatever. And I was just like, all right. So I, I don't know what it means. I do think I have a sense of humor. So I should start doing something to try to educate myself or to get my skill set up or, or to learn the craft mm-hmm. of it while I'm simultaneously t- feeding myself and housing myself by being a carpenter. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's probably going to take a while, but I'll, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And I kind of set a loose goal, even though I'm not, I don't normally give myself sort of hard goals, but I was like, I remember when I was thinking about this, I was in my apartment in North Hollywood with, you know, my one bedroom with my two roommates, like sleeping on a futon with my roommate and everything. And I was just like, yeah, you're, I don't know, 22. And I was like, well, by the time you're 30, maybe you could be doing something at 30, Mm -hmm. you know, in the field, something, Mm -hmm. and then not a famous whatever hosting of this or, you know, making buku bucks. It's just like, working with people, something creative, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe, maybe you work with an ad firm and you're just coming up with funny slogans or something, something like that. But there would be a bathroom and a lunchroom and, you know, be kind of normal. Like you could get health insurance Mm -hmm. and you could get a week's paid vacation, you know, construction, there's no paid anything. There's Mm -hmm. no paid vacation. There's no sick days. There's no, I mean, unless you're in a union, but I, I wasn't. Mm-hmm. So it's like you could go play a pickup basketball game in the park on a Sunday, roll your ankle, not come in Monday morning. And that's it. They replace you. Know, you. Yeah. You, you know, they, I mean, like I was a good enough carpenter and worker and stuff that mm-hmm. I was sought after a little mm-hmm. bit. But you wouldn't get paid. Yeah. Like, and, you know, you didn't even have to phone in. Like mm-hmm. there wasn't a. It wasn't a phone. It wasn't like, hey, I'm not going to make it today. They're like, yeah, no. whatever. It was just like, yeah, you, you just don't, show up you, or you don't. You didn't come in on Monday. You didn't come in on Monday. You don't right. get paid for Monday. That's that's the way it worked. It was very sort of utilitarian or something. Like it was like it was like working construction that way is like would have been like how jobs were 200 years ago. Yeah, like you get no breaks, no perks. No points, no insurance, no vacations. You show up. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. 
They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. If you show up and you have to leave at noon because uh, you have to see the doctor or, or just whatever, it's fine. You just get paid until noon. Til you don't noon, get paid yeah. for that day. Yeah. So I was just like, eh, this seems, this doesn't seem like like a good big, it, it seemed like the kind of thing I could do while I was single, while I was young, when I didn't give a shit, you know, mm-hmm. I was strong. I, I wasn't worried about anything, roommates and everything else. But I was like, if you're doing this when you're 40, this can be really old. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're going to hate this. Mm-hmm. So I just went, I'll, I'll do comedy. I'm going to think about doing comedy. So I didn't know where to go or what to do. I didn't really know anybody. And I, I talked to a friend of mine who's like, the dad did something creative and the mom did something creative. And uh, I just said to her, can I talk to your mom about like what? I knew she was kind of in the industry a little mm-hmm. bit. And she was like, well, why don't you take a groundlings class? Groundlings. And I was like, oh, what's that? You know, it's like a, a troupe, like an improv troupe where you make stuff up and, you, you know, you go off the top of your head. And I was like oh yeah, I could, doesn't involve reading, you know? It's like, no, you just make shit up. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that, that sounds pretty good. I think I could do that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I went down to the Groundlings and like watched a show mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, look, this is so fun. cool. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I, I never thought about being around these kind of people. But was it expensive back then? Because when I went to do it in like 2005, it was like $400 a month. And I was like, dude, that's like half my rent. Like I couldn't do it. I couldn't afford it. Yeah, it was the same. It's always expensive. So fucking expensive. Like, all my friends were in Groundlings, UCB, like, all that stuff, Second City. And I wanted to so badly, but I was so poor. Well, here's the thing. So what did you do? Well, first things first. When you're poor, everything's expensive. (laughs) It's true. So, you know, a burrito (laughs) is super expensive. I stole. Did you ever steal? Oh, when I was a kid, I stole everything. Yeah. I was... um, I was like, no, seriously, like when I was digging ditches and I was getting seven bucks an hour and they were taking taxes out Fuck that! and like someone to go on a lunch run and I'd order a burrito. There it goes was, half your it was, fucking. It was one hour of digging ditches for, for a, a burrito. Fucking burrito. Right. Yeah, so like everything was super expensive. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I didn't have the money, but it was like, you know, 275 bucks a you know, 12 classes or whatever. And I just got it together. Smart. Invested in yourself. I did. That is a good thing to do. And that's one thing I never really did. I never really like, cause to me, I, it was like 400 a month at the time. Right. And I was like, Ooh, it's expensive. And I just never invested in myself. And I, I do kind of regret that. I do think that is something I should have done. So that's smart. You did that. So then you did groundlings. Yeah. Started meeting people yeah. that like went to college and had a sense of humor. Yeah. And, and knew had algebra. A, had a big <laughs> Do you know algebra? <laughs> <laughs> never came up, but they did. They had like big vocabularies and yeah. they would say things. And I was like, oh, well, I've got to go look up that word and wow. stuff like that. So I did that and I would do a couple of open mics and it's like, eh, it didn't really feel right. 
and I was just kind of going about my way. Like uh, if, if a class opened up or a group opened up or anything, I mm-hmm. would just, I would just be there. But you know, my full-time job was, was carpentry. carpentry yeah. And then at some point I got like a job teaching comedy traffic school. And I was like, what the fuck is that? It's traffic school taught by comedians. <gasps> That's amazing. And I was like, I'm going to get some really valuable time. <laughs> in front of a captive audience yeah you know during the day during the week you know Sunday and you got paid to do it yeah that's dope i that's what i thought I so thought, you had to make it funny yeah traffic school did it make traffic school funny for eight hours oh my god yeah there was a little finesse to that <laughs> but i I, th- I thought if i can stand here in front of this like hostile crowd and maybe make them laugh maybe uh that's good practice. That's yeah. like free open mic. Do you know how many open micers would like give, oh, yeah. give half their dick to do that? Eight hours of a captive audience? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. I thought I was like hit the big time. And, so then and you did that. I, I did that on weekends. Okay. But I was still, I was still a carpenter during the week because I couldn't really support myself teaching traffic school. <laughs> when did you get your break? Um, like how old were you? Well, I was coming up on my 30th birthday. That's you know, amazing. I didn't I, know that. And I made myself kind of the, you know, the promise that I would be doing something by the time I was 30. Uh-huh. I always loved radio because I would listen to talk radio all the time. And when I was on a construction site, you know, construction sites are like, I always say construction sites are 15 Mexicans and three white dudes named Mike. (laughs) Half the guys you work with don't speak English and the other half are just kind of douchey valley dudes, you know, like, dude, we're going to the river this weekend. You're in, you know, like those dudes, you know? And I was like, I wanted to do funny stuff, turn a phrase and make people laugh. And, you know, and these guys didn't know the, and be witty, and they were like, oh, dude, watch me smash this beer can against my forehead. Yeah. Sack, and just. <laughs> yeah, that was them. And they didn't know about the groundlings or yeah. improv or any technique or any. Did you say groundhogs? Yeah. Fuck that... those things. I'll bring my rifle over. <laughs> That's who they were. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, every guy was named Steve. Yeah. Or Tom or Mike. Mm-hmm. And they're just like dudes from Canoga Park, you know. And, and then there was all the Hispanic guys, but. Yeah didn't really speak a lot of English, you know, so there wasn't a lot, you know, wasn't that stimulating for me. Okay. Um, so I, I used to bring my little radio and I'd just listen to talk radio. I've just, Mm -hmm. you know, who were you listening to? Like Howard Stern? Was he? No, not at that time. He wasn't out here Mm -hmm. at the time at the time. Well, first things first, when you do carpentry, the hours on a job site are like, 7 a.m. to 4. Mm-hmm. They all started at 7 a.m. So that means you get into your truck at like 6.15, 6.20, like depending on where it is. I know. I, I can't wake uh, up till like uh, 1 p.m. Already <laughs> blows. I know. I, got, I had to set an alarm to wake up for this podcast at I, 1 p.m. <laughs> I, it, I, I'm, I'm with you, sister. But I would get my car, I'd turn on morning radio, and mm-hmm. I'd listen to um, Mark and Brian on KLOS or Fraser Smith on KMET or or Kevin and Bean later on on, on K-Rock. Mm-hmm. And, and I would listen to all these guys. And I started, like, kind of filling in the jokes or, like, if one of them would say, like, 
hey mark uh the you know the queen of england is coming to uh la what do you think i'd, I'd fill in the joke like i'd see if i could Beat get to, to the it. joke yeah, like yeah. or say something funny or like or they were interviewing some a porn star or something yeah. i'd like come up and i was kind of like i think you're faster than these guys are yeah like, i i think you're but you're never going to get a chance to get in there or meet them or i don't know where the studio is i don't even know what it is like you, yeah. you're never going to get a shot at anything but i was just kind of kept pecking away and um at some point i be became a boxing coach later on i was always a carpenter but i, I liked boxing a lot and I, I wanted to coach boxing and so i used my carpentry to get myself into a gym that let me be a boxing coach and are you like a do you know how to fight no well? i know how to box okay you know how to put, box put so if that. someone came up to you on the street you'd know how to box them <laughs> i would i would know how to box that's that was, awesome that's what's my job that's you know? great yeah, you want to see how fucked up my hands are? Oh, are they all fucked up? Yeah. At least you don't have a broken nose. No. Oh, shit, your hands are fucked up. Oh, yeah. you have the Dippinger's contracture. Yeah, I'm both of them. Are you going to yeah. get that surgery? I'm going to have to because, like, my right, my jab hand is, like, Tommy has it, up. too. Oh, from drumming, maybe. From drumming. The, uh, guys, a Dippinger's, um, I, I might be saying it wrong, but it's a French a term. It's saying it probably totally wrong. It's a Dippinger's contracture, something. Yeah. something French, and it's basically when... Part of the inside of your palm, usually by your ring finger and pinky finger, yeah. starts to contract and it pulls your ring finger down and it can permanently hold your hand. Uh, and I got, sort of, this is as flat as I can get. Oh, my God. My, that's my insane. Yeah. yeah. So basically what they do is they uh, did you have your consultation? yet? No, did don't it? tell me. Oh, you don't want to know. It's know. so painful. Tommy opted not to do it, but All right. maybe you'll do it. But anyway, OK, so I want to hear it. So what was your big break? You did the carpentry. You did the groundlings. You did. Now you're a boxing coach. Like when, when does I when does, was I was driving my truck over the hill with a uh, entertainment unit in the back of it. And uh, was listening to Kevin and Bean on K Rock, and they're talking about a boxing match that they were going to have between Jimmy the Sports Guy and Michael the Maintenance Man. And I was like, I could teach one of those guys to box. And if I taught them to box, maybe I could see the studio. Maybe they'd let me come in, you know, interview the boxing coach. I could mm -hmm. go. I could. I could somehow get yourself in there. Get myself in there. Yeah. And. Uh, I, I would call the radio station and call the radio station. They never returned in my calls. I found out where they were and I just <laughs> went to the radio station. What's up, stalker? <laughs> I know. And I couldn't get in the building because I taught an early morning boxing class. Just outside. Yeah. It's like a commercial building. Wow. I went there at like 6 30 in the morning. I couldn't get in. Then I um, thought about, you know, what else I could do. And I went there the next day when the building opened eight and I got in, but then I got up to K rock on like the ninth floor, but the suite was closed because their business hours are like nine to five, you know, mm -hmm. and I couldn't, I was just standing by the elevator going, damn, how did, they're in. I knew they were broadcasting mm -hmm. inside the building, but the building, you know, the suite was closed. The unit was closed. I was just standing there and, um, uh, kind of figuring out like do i just stand out here by the elevators for an hour oh my god and then once they open the business for business hours i can't just go in and tell the receptionist like i need the morning guys to come you know whatever Talk to me. i was just standing there and a guy came up the elevator 
And he started walking around like the back entrance, like the key card mm-hmm. entrance in the back. And he was just going in. I wish I got his name. I, I wish I knew what he was doing, but I knew he was heading into the building to refill a vending machine or something. And I was like, are you going in uh, the building? Like, yeah. I was like, um, you going to Kevin and Bean's studio, whatever. I was like, yeah. I was like, can you tell those guys there's just a boxing coach just, just ha- hanging here. I'll just wait by the elevator. Like mm-hmm. I didn't want to go in with him or mm-hmm. do anything weird or pushy. So I just stood by the elevator and I just waited. And I didn't know if the guy told anybody or whatever. And then like, about 15 20 minutes later uh jimmy kimmel just came down the just came down the hall he was jimmy the sports guy and he just came up to me and said are you the boxing coach i said yeah he said okay you can uh you can coach me to box i said okay and wow I said uh, when do you want to start he's like how about today and i was like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> damn dude yeah i know this is an amazing story. It is a good story. Are yeah. you guys still best friends? Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, he made my career. Yeah, that is so fucking rad. Someone always kind of does it for you, I feel like, or just gives you that one little, someone always kind of helps you, but I feel like you did a lot of it yourself because Probably. you were very per- <laughs> you were very perseverant mm-hmm. and you saw a way you created a path for yourself. You were like, okay, so I could do this. I could go this way and get yourself to the studio. You did that. Not a lot of people do that, honestly. Yeah, probably not. They wouldn't. Um, But I did, and I was lucky to meet Jimmy and not Michael, the maintenance man. Dead. Uh, So it was good that I met Jimmy, and then Jimmy was super generous. And once I kind of explained to him, like, what I did and, you know, he he worked really hard to get me on the radio, but he didn't really run the place or right. have a whole lot of juice at the segment. time. Yeah. yeah. So they weren't necessarily going to listen to him. Right. But he, he, we worked, I worked and then we've got me onto the radio. And then you guys created the man show together, right? Yeah. Well, once, yeah, then we were like, well, we got to do something yeah. ourselves. You're like, you know? we're a team. Yeah. That's so fucking cool. Yeah. And you know what's so inspiring about your story is that mm. it wasn't like, oh, I made it at 18 years old. Like, no. you were 30 years old. Yeah, and even then when I was 30, I, I wasn't really getting paid to do comedy. I was just volunteering, and yeah. I was still working as a carpenter. Because I'm, like, age. 34 right now, and I'm like, well, my life's over in Hollywood. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> as I, I know it. And I'm like, there's no, you know, and I sit here and I'm like, oh, man, 34 in Hollywood as a female. I must, might as well be Jessica Lang. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I just feel like, you know what I mean? Like, it just feels, yeah. you know, like, I, but it's so inspiring sitting here listening to you tell the story because I didn't know that. I thought you were like 18 years old, you know. No. Hollywood kid growing up in North Hollywood, you think, oh, you're going to be friends with someone who's automatically like in the business or. No, we didn't even. Uh, I mean, I was probably 34 when we. 35 when we began doing the man show. So. So crazy. There's still time for you. Thank you. You know, <laughs> I doubt you're going to come up with a killer show in the next four months, but. I'm not. Technically. I'm not. I've already tried. <laughs> technically there's still time thank you i appreciate that yeah so then we're just 
And then the rest is history. The rest is history. And so did you slowly just stop coming to the carpentry sites? And then all of a sudden, the people that you used to do carpentry with, were they reaching out to you being like, hey, man, I heard you on the radio? Or like, no, was there none of that? Because there wasn't really cell phones, Uh, right? Yeah, I was working by that time. I was freelancing and just working for myself. Mm -hmm. And I had a handful of like clients, you know. That's so cool. Building stuff for them? Yeah. That's so fucking cool. Do you do stuff in your own house right now? Yeah, I do. I've done a lot of my own houses and own stuff. That's so cool. Just walk around with a level all day. Just, (laughs) all right, that needs a little adjustment. My eyeballs will do that. (laughs) That is so rad. Yeah, at a certain point, you know, I was kind of like, look, the rough carpentry, the earthquake rehab work rough stuff the foundation stuff like mm. the digging like it's too dirty it's too it's whatever dirty. so i got into finished stuff and cabinetry and mm-hmm. building custom cabinets or beds or units you know i just yeah. built custom shit for people and um i would have like katie seagal from i Married love katie seagal i would go work on her house all that the time. is crazy yeah was this before the ra- this is before you got on the radio this was yeah previous to that yeah and building her cabinets or whatever i'm trying to think with her i i think i did a bunch of maybe some garage cabinets definitely some problem with a gate she was having to like rebuilt the gate so you were kind of like a full-on handyman like you know how to do handyman stuff like if i needed to change a light fixture you'd know how to do that or no i wasn't like repair the toaster oven okay guy I was more like swing the doors, build the fences, build the gates, build okay. cabinetry. Yeah, I would build more you, woodworking. Yeah, if you wanted a custom bed, I would build you a custom bed. Wow. Yeah, I did a few impressive. of those. That's when I became enamored with the gay lifestyle because I had a couple of clients who were gay, and, and I was like, I built uh, one guy bed. And he's like, and now I want you to build my partner bed. And I was like, well, you already got the bed. And he's like, he's got a separate bedroom. And I was like, I think you guys are onto something here. What? Why did they have separate bedrooms? Because they just it's slept just better like, separately? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, it's like one guy wanted to stay up late and the other guy wanted to go to bed early or whatever. And mm-hmm. they were just like a gay couple. So they're like, fine. I mean, I will say this as much as I love sleeping in the same bed as my husband. When he, he wakes up really early in the morning, like 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. I wake up at like 12 p.m. Mm-hmm. But when he gets out of bed, I get the best six hours of sleep. Yeah. Because you can just stretch That's out. Ron and, and Ron just... and John did that. Ron and John, <laughs> my, Dad. My gay couple. That's amazing. But, yeah, so I I did all that for a long period of time. I was, you know, I'm happy I have a skill. Yeah, you know, it's a a, huge. And it's nice to kind of know you know, when you're working on your own stuff or even if someone's working on your home or whatever, installing something or whatever, you know, I'm not going to spend all day putting in a sliding door, but I know how to do everything and I know what is. And, uh, and I've done it. I mean, I've done it in my houses, you know, remodeled a lot of houses over the, over the years. Amazing. Because I always had kind of a passion for it. I just didn't want to do it for a living. You know, and it's really cool to do your own place, but it sucks doing other people's places. Because it's not yours. It's like you're doing all this hard work and making something so beautiful and you don't get to keep it. Yeah, but do you want my worst day? Yeah, I want your worst day. Worst day ever. My worst day ever is I was 
working painting commercial office buildings in Century City mm-hmm. was one of those jobs I got, I think, right before I got my construction job, where would you like to make seven, eight bucks an hour just painting the inside of uh, attorney's offices mm-hmm. on like the 22nd floor of the tower in Century City or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I, I would, but I don't have a car. I didn't have any transportation or anything. So I borrowed my friend's motorcycle mm-hmm. and I had to be, we work four days a week, but we work like 10 or 12 hours a day. We work from like 6 a.m. to, I don't know, 5 p.m. Oh just painting, just painting Jesus. the whole day. It was super miserable. Just breathing in paint fumes for uh, fucking 12 hours. And the hours. guy I worked with was named Andy and he was a Jehovah's Witness and all, he, we couldn't listen to rock. We had to listen to like Christian rock, you know. Wow. It was a bummer. Oh my God. And it, it, it was a super, it was a full blown bummer of a day just sitting in the, just standing in the same office, just yeah. spreading the paint around with Andy. And, uh, and I, so I pulled up to Century City, my buddy's motorcycle. And Century City parking is like, 20 bucks a day or whatever yeah. it was back then. And there's no place to park because it's nope. like, it's Century City, mm-hmm. you know? There's no side street or whatever. So I was like, I, if I pull into the parking spot and go up, make seven bucks an hour, when I come down, it's going to cost me 22 bucks for parking. That's half the day's pay, you know? So I took the motorcycle and I just like kind of parked it around the side against the big cement wall of the parking structure, whatever. It's like up on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'll, I'll leave it here. And then I went and painted for 12 hours. And then at the end of the day, it's like five o'clock. And, you know, I come down to the motorcycle, the motorcycle's gone. I'm like, Oh, was the motorcycle stolen or was it like impounded because I kind of parked it in the wrong spot or whatever. And then I just walked around the Century City Mall until I found like the security hut. And I was, and I was like, hey, I had this motorcycle and blah, blah, blah. And the guy was like, yeah, I had that impounded. And I was like, ugh. What a dick. I know. And I was like, and by the way, when you impound a motorcycle, put a stupid sticker on the ground yeah. or something. Like I just thought it was stolen. It wasn't my motorcycle. Right. So I, I said, well, where did it go? I lived in North Hollywood, California. Yeah. They always impounded at the fucking furthest place. Yes, he's like, Santa Monica. Oh, my God. Oh, God. And I'm like, okay. Now, I have no money. I have no credit cards. I have no cell phone. I have have no anything. So I just start walking down, like, little Santa Monica Boulevard. I just start walking. Well, I can't go to Santa Monica because I don't have any money Mm -hmm. or any way to get the bike out of the impound yard. So I... I just start walking toward North Hollywood, but it's way on the other side of the hill and you can't walk from Century City to North Hollywood. But again, I don't have a cell phone or a credit card. I got nothing to do. There's no Uber. There's I can't call a cab. I don't have any money. Mm-hmm. So I just start hitchhiking down, down Santa Monica. And sure enough, this fella, Big convertible Cadillac Eldorado like picks me up. It's like, hey, fella, how are you doing? No. Well, it's Santa Monica oh Boulevard. You know, I'm like, all right. Get in the guy's car. And he's like, I realized important piece of gay code back then. He goes, he goes, my apartment's right around here. You want to get high? Stop. And I thought, 
Oh, want to get high? Yeah, I think because you can't say like you want a blowjob. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. gotta go. You want to get high, mm-hmm. and then then I would go. Yeah, I'd like to get high. Yeah. And the next thing you know, we'd be in his apartment getting high. You yeah. know. But I was like, Nah, I I think I'm good. And he's like, Fine. And he he drove me down to Laurel Canyon Boulevard, and so I made it from Century City down to Laurel. And I but now I got to get up and over the canyon. So now I start walking up the canyon. Oh, my God, Adam. This is a fucking nightmare. I'm hitchhiking. It is like I've now I now left my house at like 530 in the morning. It's now seven at night. You worked you know? a full day. You're tired. Full day. So gassed out. I, I was thumbing my way up north uh, up Laurel. Uh, ended up a, a piece of good news. Some girl I went to high school with saw me named Stacy and like picked me up in her Toyota and drove me back down you know over the hill maybe even to my house so that was pretty good wow but now i got back to my house and it was like eight o'clock at night and the impound yard had my buddy's motorcycle and the motorcycle was going to cost like 65 bucks to get out of the impound yard oh i thought you're gonna say like 300 well this is back in the day yeah maybe it was 80 bucks i didn't have a penny and I had no way to get from North Hollywood to the impound yard because the motorcycle I borrowed was impounded. Mm-hmm. So I borrowed 80 bucks from somebody, which of course meant that the entire day's work would Gone just go the into, into the motorcycle. God. And then I got a ride to the impound yard at like nine at night. Uh-huh. And then I had to ride the goddamn motorcycle home from Santa Monica back to North Hollywood, which ended up being 10 o'clock at night. And then I had to be in Century City at six the next So morning. what did you do? Take the bus next time? Now, oh God, that is a damn good question. I cannot remember how I got there the, the, the next time. You, it would take you seven hours to take a bus from North Hollywood to Century Dude, City. Dude, this is a fucking nightmare. Ugh. That was, sounds like the worst day ever. It, it certainly, it was super long, had a bunch of work in it, a bunch of walking and hitchhiking, a bunch of surus, because I was like, oh, it's your buddy's motorcycle. Yeah. Like, what if it's fucked up? And, and he let you use he it. He let me use it. You got it impounded, mixed with this. If you would have paid 20 bucks for parking, you would never be in this position right now. Yeah. But mixed with that guy who got that motorcycle towed. Like, I want to kill shit. Right. I want to straight up made that feel guy feel so bad. I've been like, do you know how hard I just fucking worked for $2 an hour, motherfucker? I like, never damn. did any of that. I was I just know. like, the bike's gone. He did it. Thank you. And you didn't you start could never, walking. You could never call your parents to help you? No. No, they wouldn't. Why? Um, what did they do? We just had, they had established a kind of a relationship, which is don't ask me, don't ask us for anything. Both of your parents, your mom mm-hmm. and your dad. Yeah, that was kind of the deal. And, and we knew it, me and my sister, at a young age. So we just, they wanted to be left alone and we left them alone. But no, you would never think, I'll call my mom and she'll lend me some money or she'll bail me out or, or whatever. Another time I got a motorcycle towed. I did. Oh well, this could even be more miserable. 
<laughs> you're like start remembering all this depressing shit. I'm just making. Well, you just you reminded me of my mom because it was a funny thing. I I kind of tried it with my mom. Now my yeah. mom, I didn't ask her for anything. Are I'm your parents sure. still with us or no? Yes, they are both. They're of them? super old. God bless you. Yeah. Are you guys cool now? No, nah, not really. I mean, <laughs> we're not uncool. We just we don't have a we never had a relationship. Are you and your sister close? Yeah, because you had to bond together, right? Because it was kind of like she ran away when it when. She was like 14. Is so. she older than you? She's a year older. Okay. Yeah. So do you ever wonder like, and do you ever ask your parents, like, I don't know if you ever said this to your parents, but like, have you ever like, why did you have us? I'm sure it was a mistake. I judging by their behavior it had <laughs> to be a mistake. There's no way they could have wanted these things and then treated these things this way. But I'm so glad you're here though. Yeah, See? me too. Oh yeah. For I'm reason, fine for everything. <laughs> Are you fine? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just grew up in this weird world. I just can't imagine that because I, I don't have a good relationship with my mom. I don't, we're working on it, but my dad raised me and my dad mm -hmm. and I are so close. And I used to think all the time, if I didn't have my dad, mm -hmm. what would I have done? Because I can't imagine having two parents that don't really want you. Well, you get really independent, mm -hmm. like really fast. You have a little bit of a syndrome where no one's going to take care of you. Because you go, well, your parents don't take care of you, so why is anyone going to take care of you? So you get this thing where it's like, okay, I'll go to this guy's house and, like, eat dinner, and then I'll go sleep over at my friend's house. Wow, your parents I'll didn't go, even make you dinner? Mm, no, not really. I mean, they're, they're, they didn't do the sort of traditional thing. Like families, like it's yeah, 6 p.m., yeah. let's no, all sit down and no. have dinner. No, I always remember that when I would play, like, basketball with the boys you know at the park or whatever the schoolyard and at some point like during the summers be like six o'clock and the all the guys us playing with would be like oh all right six o'clock yeah, i gotta, gotta go i to gotta dinner. go home and have dinner yeah. and then I'd, I'd like going like i'd be like yeah me too and then they'd all just leave and i just sit there going i i don't have to go home whenever i never had to go home. what would happen if you went home and you went up to your mom and you're like what's for dinner she Sometimes there'd be stuff. Sometimes there wouldn't be stuff. She'd just say, if you're hungry, you'll eat. You know, would, like you can figure it out. put food in the house? Like, was there food for you to eat, nah, really? Nah, it, was, it, was, it was sparse because my mom was kind of a health food nut hippie. And so there was, like, lentil beans and, you know, weird <laughs> sprouted peanut butter or something <laughs> no. with no salt or whatever it's like not anything a kid wanted to eat so i would just go to other people's house and did your parents hug you and kiss you or no no never no not there there, there were weird kind of cold people i they're not not what you'd want in a you would not wish them upon anybody as a parent this is unreal to me not mean people not, you know, not like alcoholic, bad people, mm -hmm. whatever, just dead, just like nothing, just like, it's like not having parents. Like, just not even like, Merry Christmas, Christmas tree. No. Or I don't know, you're, nothing. Christmas Just presents. all, all the stuff you, you think of, or like a vacations yeah. or Christmas trees or family outings or whatever. No, very very sparse like you know maybe to go to sizzler once a year or something you know something like that just no money no hugs no food no hugs. no nothing well here's how like detached i was from my family i had college scholarships i had offers to play 
football at like I don't know Cal Poly Pomona, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, um, Pacific, uh, Marshall. It's like a, weird schools, weird but but decent enough schools. Uh-huh. And people say like, why didn't you take it up? And yeah. I was like, well, I don't know. <laughs> like, well, didn't why didn't your dad like know that you know you were getting these you know could have gone to college yeah. for free you know yeah. and I was like well he wasn't paying for college either way like it wasn't wasn't like he was going to save a hundred grand on college he wasn't going to pay for college you know so he didn't care what you did no no I had I had like scholarships and papers and stuff and I'm just like nah and you never showed them I used to sort of passively aggressively or maybe he's a a a a cry for help or something i would leave some of the paper some of the like recruitment letters or something like on the kitchen table as if so they would find them you know or see them or whatever and they never it never came up what were their jobs um my mom was a welfare person and my dad taught like special needs like teacher he was a special needs teacher kind of basically yeah don't you kind of have to have like compassion to do that to work Mm. with like special needs kids i don't know they weren't like i said they weren't bad people they were just bad parents you know sucks yeah it sucks. how are you not so depressed like i would be so depressed i was like i just got independent like really fast like i just got kind of resourceful and independent i was just like well, you want food and, you know, there's not much here. So your buddy, Chris, his mom made, is making pork chops and I like go, go to Chris's house wow. and, you know, and your house doesn't have air conditioning and it's hotter than balls, but, uh, Ray's house has air conditioning, go to Ray's house, you know, and that, I would just do that. I would just float around. Did you, you ever know? go over these people's houses and get bummed? Cause you were like, all oh, their moms like are so cool giving, making you know, apple pie and stuff like that or snacks and whatever. I I was, I, my friends had, you know, led a pretty modest life, Mm -hmm. um, with, you know, their own share of family problems, you know, but the mom would make dinner and, Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, like I would go to some kid's house for my football team and they have like a nice house and there was like food in the pantry. And like, I remember, very clearly like just staring at the mantelpiece and like the family was they took one of those ski vacation pictures where they're on top of the mountain and everyone's got their arms and like skis and stuff and I'm like oh where would you get skis yeah, what's know? that like how do you even get there like and you're on, on your mantle at home was just like a jar of chickpeas <laughs> i didn't even have a mantle was so, this is crazy, dude. I, yeah, it would it would kind of I would you know it would kind of bum me out when I'd see all the yeah. families and the vacations and you know that kind of stuff. But I was also like you know their families got it worse than, than me. Has know? this made you a better parent though? Like now, are you super like into your kids' lives and very like you know everything that you wanted from your parents to your kids? I am a, a pretty good parent. I am very much. Um, my parents were a full blown bummer. Mm-hmm. Everything was like, we have no money and, you know, and they're yeah. always sort of sulking around the house and there weren't hugs and they were never like <laughs> silly or fun or, 
loving or whatever. Yeah. And so I am intentionally kind of playful with my kids and fun and just stuff like I wanted a dog so badly, like when I was a kid, but we couldn't get it. And we never got a dog because like they would have had to feed, feed the, the dog. dog and like <laughs> we don't need another mouse. <laughs> Chris's mom feed the dog. <laughs> oh so my God. it was like no dog. The and, dog's eating quinoa. It's like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. I mean, I wanted like a, you know, basketball hoop and a dog. And so I, of course, give my kids, you know, Everything all, the, all that, want, yeah. all that junk. But, but the main thing I do, I, and I do it a lot. I just like to screw around with them, you know, and, and I say to them, like, look at you, look at this life. This is awesome. Right. And they go, yeah, it's pretty good. And I go, but would you rather have any other mom or any other dad or any other dog? Like, uh, I mean, this is awesome. Right. And they go, yeah. And I go, good. I'm glad you're here. You know what I mean? Like, that's dope. My family was such a full blown bummer all the time. It's just like a bad seventies movie. You know, I was like, you know, it was such a bummer Mm -hmm. that I'm like, Make your kids think you're glad they're here. Yeah, make them feel wanted. And don't like, and also like, you know, you got your problems, you got your trials and tribulations. Don't throw it on the kids. Mm-mm. Like my parents were like, oh God, you know. <laughs> Can't pay you know. the mortgage. Well, we didn't have a mortgage because right. we didn't have a house or an apartment. We just lived in this second ramshackle shotgun shack that my grandmother owned and let us like flop in it my mom just like laid on her bed the whole thing oh like, my god it was like ugh. Yikes. it 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 was it was bad did you have a bedroom i slept on a porch at a oh like a closed in porch yeah we had a service porch it was really little <laughs> oh my the god. problem with sleeping on the porch is the hot water heater was on the porch and the washing machine i slept in the same room that had the we didn't have a clothes dryer because uh-huh. i was like considered exotic you know but wow. we did i did my room was the porch with the washing machine and the and the water heater oh and the meter the house meter oh, yeah the guy who read the meter would have to come into my room <laughs> while you're sleeping <laughs> no hey, he molested me move over kid i gotta check no, yeah he I, it was just, it was like weird green acre stuff. You were just like, like in the sec, you were just in the everything room. I, yeah, I had a door in the back was like the back door. It was like to my room and like the meter guy would just bang on the door and let the guy in and walk in your bedroom. Imagine walking in your bedroom and like moving clothes that were hanging. I don't think I hung any clothes, but wow. just opening a closet and like reading the meter and then walking back out again. That's awkward. It's weird. Yeah. Dude, and look how much, how great your life turned out. Yeah, it's good. Did your parents ever go, we're proud of you or like, congratulations or like, we can't believe you're on TV or whatever. Did they ever ask you for anything or? Yeah. Later on when I did stuff, they would ask me for stuff, but they never really, they never really got into it or okay. they don't really know. I, I don't know what they know. Okay. I always say that. I yeah. have no idea. Do you see them a lot or not really? Mm, not really. I mean, I don't. You know, I don't have anything against them right. per se. It's just like, what are we doing? Yeah. Like, why are we hanging out? Like, yeah. what are, what is this based on? I mean, <sighs> I don't see your parents ever, right? Right. Because I don't have a relationship with them. Right. But they didn't really raise me mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. My parents kind of raised me, you know. So, like, I kind of see them. Yeah. But it's not, it's not like, 
there isn't that much to go over. You know what I mean? Do you ever feel like sometimes, and I think this is so interesting and I've only like noticed it as I've gotten older, is that like someone can be your parent, but they can be almost like a, a stranger. Yeah. Yes, it's interesting, isn't it? Like, I have nothing in common with my parents. Yeah. They don't know many things about me. Yeah. They have no, we have no common interest. Yeah. And they don't have any interest and I don't have any interest in them. Like it's just yeah. purely a biological procedure. And then you kind of make your own family in life. Oh, yeah. Your friends and your wife or your husband, and that's your family. You make your family. You kind of choose your Yeah, family. I owe my friends, I counted on mightily because I was like, oh, boy, there's nothing to eat at your house. There's nothing to do at your house. There's no, you want to hang and No laugh. one ever wanted to come over your house. <laughs> nobody wanted to come to my house. Like, <laughs> nobody. Dead. And, and. You guys want to go look at the meter? The <laughs> yeah, come to my room, read the meter. No, they, you know, and also, like, I wanted to laugh. Yeah. I want to tell stories. My family, you can't talk to them. They don't laugh. If like, you tried to, like, understand. tell a joke, they were just like. No, they don't, they have no sense of humor and they have no, and so I was like, I, I like cars, I like stuff, I like mm -hmm. tools, like, mm -hmm. and I would just go to their house and I would use their garages because like their dads had tools and stuff and I'd fix my bike and stuff, but I would, I would just do everything at everyone else's house. Yeah. And then that was my family, like my, my friends. And then you get older and it's kind of weird because your parents are kind of like, Hey you know, what about it? You know what I mean? Like, why don't you visit more? And it's kind of like, well, what are we, Yeah. what are we talking about? Yeah. And then people kind of go, well, you should just do it anyway. And I'm kind of like, but why? <laughs> well, my thing is, yeah, I, I mean, my thing is like, th you. that's, that's something they established a long yeah. time ago. Yeah. And that's, you know, and it, and it's fine. It's so funny. I'm, like I said, I'm so close with my dad and, and we talk every day and my mom and I are working on our relationship. But it's so interesting to me because I have so many friends that are similar to you where the one of their parents was just kind of like, like want nothing to do with their kids. And mm -hmm. then they get older and they're like, well, you don't care about me. And it's like, well, you it, didn't it, care about me when I was younger. So what what's the, you know. It's earned, man. Yeah, you set the tone, right? Well, Honestly, like I think, I think to myself all the time, like if my kids, when they became adults, if they thought of me, like I think of my parents, I would fucking kill myself. <laughs> I know. I that's so myself. sad. I they mean, definitely just, don't think that way of you. And they definitely Well, won't. if they do, it'll be on them because yeah, I will like, be able to provide everything. countless receipts <laughs> and photographs and God, what about this trip? Like what about see this basketball? This lanyard? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's the time we went backstage at the acoustic Christmas or yeah, whatever the hell. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yes. Aw, dude, I've loved having you here. Yeah, this, this is This was great. such a great talk. We went over an hour. Wow. You're so amazing. I'm I'm so glad to know your story. This is your I'm true real When's, life story. This is coming out in three weeks. I'm going to go jump in your bed <laughs> and I'm going to put the comforter over me and I'm going to wait for Tommy to come back from golfing. Dead. He'd be like, what the fuck? And I'm just going to wait. And look, if he doesn't go to bed until later or he doesn't go in the bedroom at all, <laughs> I'm, so dead. I'm just going to lay there until it. he comes back. And then I'm going to surprise him when he comes in. Okay. Just here for hours. Maybe <laughs> he doesn't come back. Well, no, maybe he comes back and wants to take a shower. Oh my in which God. case, I would surprise him then. But if he wants to do his cooking 
and, you know, watch his shows and then come in, you know, several hours. I will just be there. Dead. Just be laying there. <laughs> have the blanket over my head. You I don't want to go in our bed. <laughs> I will. I'm fine. You I might need a, a, a shot after you get I out. slept on a service porch. And then I, my next room was a garage. And my other room was a attic. So I, I can make, so I'll make it. Dead. Oh my God. I've loved having you here. Okay. So you're on tour right now. Where can everyone go see you? Oh, you go to adamcarolla.com. Adamcarolla.com. You'll find all the, all the information. You know, he has his podcast. He's touring. Follow him on Instagram. Give him that Instagram love. If anyone's, you know, related to this podcast, go let him know you're related. Leave a nice comment. Give him the hugs he didn't get as a kid. Yeah. Dead. Virtual hug. Virtual hug. I love it. And guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I will see all of you next week, hopefully, on another episode of Worst Hugs.